Welcome to Kelly McAtee Curated Content for the Busy from the context of the seven mind-molding mountains of cultural influence, where we are seeking to be busy with the right things that fill our cup to overflowing because that not only nourishes ourselves, but it overflows onto our households, communities, cities, states, and nation. For when the people thrive in the land, the whole land prospers. And we are all so hungry for that. So the reason that my curated content for the busy comes from the context of the seven mountains of cultural influence. And you'll hear that said as seven mind-molding mountains, seven mountains for short, seven mountains of cultural influence. All of those are the same thing. And I stumbled upon them two years ago or so, and I was so surprised to find that people have actually been talking about the Seven Mountains for 20, 30 years. And it was so helpful for me to find because it gave a framework for what I was experiencing out in the world. And what I didn't really realize is that I was actually operating in and advocating for all seven mountains of cultural influence and not even realizing it. And so what I want to do is to share that with people who maybe have not come across it before. And so you'll find as you start doing your own due diligence, because I'm a big advocate for everybody doing your own due diligence, find a variety of sources. I really started to learn the importance of really solid resources in a variety of ways in grad school when I was getting my master's in clinical psychology. And I was starting to take a focus in research and a lot of what I was drawn to and really where I spent my time was in the convergence of brain health, family systems, because I love systems and they may, it makes sense to me. So brain health, family systems, and personality theory and the convergence of those three things within the individual human. And so that is where a lot of my um, kind of tips and tricks for starting to do your own due diligence will come out of what I learned in grad school for learning how to effectively research any given topic and where do you go to find solid resources and how do you expose yourself to different types of thinking and ideas and what does that look like and feel like and touch and taste because humans are tactile we take data in to our human system through our senses the way that we touch taste feel hear see smell that is how we're designed we are designed to take data in through our senses. We are sensory beings. And so um, the seven mountains 
of cultural influence as you start to do your own due diligence on the topic you'll find that there's a lot of people who have been talking about this for a long time and while each person kind of has their own take on it meaning the order that they put them in and how they define them even though there's differences in those types of things the essence behind each one of the mountains really is the same but my ordering of the mountains and how i define them is slightly different because it's based on my research of it and um, kind of my conceptualization of it and so that's what i have to share right is my own perspective my own experience my own research of that sort of thing and then you can take what you find and you can find your niche within it that's part of what i loved so much in my research of personality theory and therapy and all of that is i loved all the different personalities i love how you see things different than i do and how you experience things different than i do that you and i can be standing in the exact same room and we can walk away with two totally different perspectives of what went on in that very same room and we could be standing side by side. You could hear different things than I hear. And we can share that with one another and we can learn from one another and we can grow and we can marvel at, oh my gosh, I can't believe you heard that. I didn't even hear that. And I'm so glad that you did because now you sharing that with me allows me to grow and understand and kind of um, expand my understanding of the environment that we were both in. So there's so much value in that. So for me, the way that I order the seven mountains, and that's what um, we'll talk about today, is kind of the overarching introduction to the seven mind-molding mountains of cultural influence as I see them, because they affect every facet of our lives. They shape our desires, our hopes, our expectations. They shape and influence our behaviors and our habits and our thoughts. And those things happen both consciously and unconsciously. So sometimes we're aware of that and a lot of times they kind of get in unconsciously. That's why we want to take every thought captive. That's why we want to grab a hold of things and we want to go, wait a second. Like I can't tell you how many times I've caught myself in a habit. I'm like, wait, why am I doing this? Oh my gosh, it's like I'm asleep at the wheel. But somewhere along the way, I have picked up a habit and I've started doing that because our brains are designed to be habit machines. It's a conservation of energy type thing. That is a physics concept that is very important. Our brain is designed to take any given habit, any given behavior, any given you know, necessity and turn it into a habit. Because once it's a habit, it takes less energy for your brain to do. So that's why we wanna build into our daily lives good habits. Now, once those grooves are there, it's really hard to overcome them. 
So that is why we want, that's why it takes us so hard. You know, if you, you hear your mom, make good habits, make good habits, and it drives you nuts to hear it. But there's a reason because, and I tell my daughter all the time, listen, babe, I get it. <laughs> Responsibility sucks. You know, emptying the dishwasher sucks. I It drives me nuts. You know what? You big baby self talking to myself, you should be thankful that you have a dishwasher because I'll tell you what, in college, we didn't have a dishwasher. We had this fabulous old house that had been restored and there was no dishwasher. So that meant we were the dishwashers and you better believe those dishes got piled up until somebody finally was like, oh my gosh, there's no room left in this sink to pile up our dishes and oh, by the way, I'm out of a bowl for cereal or mac and cheese. So I might as well clean the stupid dishes so that I can have a clean dish to eat my poor, totally unnutritious college meal. Um, so we have to find ways to tweak that. So I'm trying to teach her, okay, let's be thankful that we have a dishwasher and that actually takes very little time and energy and effort to load it and unload it. And so what I'm trying to teach her is if you create a habit to where you're doing that without even thinking about it, it takes less energy. And so that is the way our brain is designed, is that whole idea of conservation of energy. But then once those grooves are made, it's harder to overcome a bad habit because we have to consciously take a hold of it. We have to consciously think about it. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is so painful. It's like, yeah, I know, because you're literally reworking your brain and that is painful. So we want to build and create good habits as much as possible. And when we grab a hold of and we take a thought captive and we realize, oh gosh, I've got a bad habit here that I need to overwrite. I need to overwrite the system. And so that is why um, there's so many good habit books out there. And I'm drawing a blank on one of my favorites. I need to, and I, I know that you know it, um, but I need to remember um, the name of the habit book that I love so much and hopefully I'll be able to find that. But the seven mountains of cultural influence and the order that I put them in are, and I'll tell you why, I'm just gonna go through the list real quick right now and then I'll do a quick hit on each of those mountains and then over time we'll get into more detail into each one of those mountains and how each one of those mountains influences and affects the other. And each one of those mountains, either overtly or covertly, affects each of us as individuals living within the culture. It affects our habits, it affects what we value, it affects how we see things. And so that's why it's so important to be aware of this stuff and start to make conscious decisions that are good and right and lovely and full of life for ourselves, for our household, for our communities, for our cities, for our states, and for the nation. That is what it ends up affecting, the whole 
nation. But we always start small, bite sizes. We always start small. So for me, the seven mountains of cultural influence, the order I put them in is faith, governance, money or work, learning or education, health, wellness, the family, that's all one bucket, health and wellness, the family, creativity, which is also the arts and entertainment, and I put sports under that, creativity, the arts and entertainment, which sports is under that, and then media. So the reason I put them in that order is faith. So why do I start with faith? Because humans are designed as faith beings. It is the core of who we are because you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. So one of my favorite things is documentaries. I love them. I'm a total documentary junkie. And so one of the documentaries that I'm really into lately goes into the ancient civilizations. And there is evidence all over the place, written in the walls, it's in the dirt, that these ancient civilizations, they did not separate their faith and spiritual practices from their governance, from the way that they led their societies. And the reason they didn't is because it's core to the human experience. I mean, we've tried that whole notion of separation of church and state, which we'll get into. By the way, it is not written in our documents. It isn't there. That's part of a lie and a falsehood that we've all bought into. It's not actually there. And I'll over time show you the evidence and, and you do your own due diligence always. Um, but. The idea is that the human is a spiritual being. So there's no separating the human from matters of faith. So for example, if you are, let's say, an atheist, your faith is in the rational mind. If you're agnostic, your faith is it does also tend to be in knowledge, in the rational mind, in self. So it doesn't matter if you are atheist, agnostic, a secular humanist, a pagan or spiritualist, Muslim, Jewish, Christian, Buddhist, Taoist, Shintoism, or a combination of every one of those. It doesn't matter whatever your spiritual views are. They shape what you believe. They shape what you're connected to. They shape what you're interested in and who and what you're drawn to. Um, they, they shape what you believe proper interventions and practices are. Um, they, they shape how you choose to live your daily lives. And so that is why I have that as the first and the foundational mountain within the seven mountains because they are absolutely and completely the starting point. So what we're witnessing in the United States of America is not the separation of church and state. What we are witnessing is the replacing 
of Jesus or Christian values as being a core um, faith practice. We are seeing the replacing of paganism or secular humanism, which says that man is at the center of the universe, which says that man, if we just do the right thing, which by the way, what's the right thing? Nobody can nobody can agree on what the right thing is. So we replace that Christian idea, ideology, the Christian moralism, we're replacing that with secular humanism. So there is not a, um, a, a separation of church and state. You're just replacing the church within the state with something else. And so there are a lot, I mean, lots of other countries. I mean, go there, check it out, talk to them, ask people from other nations, ask them questions, you know, do you all in your country where you come from or the culture that you grew up in, do you separate your faith practices with your governing practices. And so what I'll roll out over time is that my supposition is, is that it is a more pure way to govern humans when you do incorporate faith practices because that is more authentic to how humans live their lives. Humans in their daily world really don't separate out their faith practices from the way that they live. And what we're seeing is a major disconnect between our leadership bodies and the people. And the people that I talk to every day out in the trenches just out living our lives. It's like the what we value doesn't seem to be what our leaders value. And so that's why we're going, hang on a second, what in the world is going on? So that's kind of the core of the faith um, mountain. Now, next I have governance. And a lot of people call governance um, politics or, um, I mean, that's really kind of what most people will call it is, Politics. Now, I call it governance, and here's why. Because governance, issues of governance, goes so much deeper than issues of politics. It's, it's kind of the difference between the tip of the iceberg and going down deep, deep, under the surface, into the root of what's going on. So issues of governance goes down to the individual level. So for example, the idea of the United States of America and how it was founded, it absolutely is dependent upon self-governing people. That's the whole idea, that we govern ourselves properly, that we are self governing. So law enforcement, it really only works if a select few from the population are breaking the law. So there's not enough manpower out there. There's not enough people to enforce the existing laws if the majority of the citizenry is lawless or not law 
abiding. That means that we as the citizens, we have to actually, first of all, know what the law is. We have to know, we have to be informed in terms of what the law is and how, if I don't know what they are, I mean, I struggle with that with parenting. I'm like, oh crap, I'm about to have to discipline, but I'm not totally sure that she knew that was a hard and fast, solid rule. So we have to, as the citizenry, and our leaders have to be informing us, starting young, what the laws are so that we can properly abide by them. It's real simple. So governance, under my heading of the governance mountain, it really is about self and individual governing so we all govern in some way, shape, or form. You govern yourself and your own body. I govern myself and my own body. Some days I'm better at it than others. You know, um, sometimes I've got good habits in place and sometimes I'm like, man, I gotta really kind of shore up some things here because I don't have some great habits here in governing myself. I've gotten a little lazy in a few places. Like, okay, so what? Welcome to the human race. We all get lazy sometimes. The issue then becomes, do I allow that laziness and those bad habits to endure, or do I little by little grab a hold of them and start correcting those bad habits? So the issue is not that bad stuff creeps in. It always does, every single system whether it's personal or it's some sort of corporate system or governing system, they all need tightening. They all need auditing and they all need correction. That always happens. So the issue then becomes, okay, what happens when we see that a correction needs to be made? Do we double down on stupid and just let the bad habit continue? Or do we make the proper corrections that get the ship back on the right course. So it's not a big deal that we have some bad things in place. That welcome to human life. The big deal is do we properly correct them or do we not? So governance is all about, and we'll continue to talk about this over time, which is the governing down to how do we govern ourselves? How do we govern our household? How are we teaching our children to govern themselves and their households? Because there is a, um, it's another physics, it's just a principle and it works absolutely everywhere. It's the law of attraction and it is at work all around us and like attracts like. That is just what happens. And so we want to be looking at ourselves. We always start with ourselves. I can't, I can't do anything about somebody else. I can't make them make different decisions. I can't even force them to believe what I believe. That doesn't work. All I can do is look at myself, and if everybody did this, think about how incredible it would be. If each one of us took the time to look at ourselves, why do I believe what I believe? What do I value and why? Where is that coming from? And where does there need to be correction? Because if you're a human, I promise you there's correction needed. I promise. Um, so the governance heading is how do we govern ourselves? Because how we govern ourselves leads to how we govern our household, 
How we govern our households leads to how we govern our communities. And then that leads to how we govern our cities, and then our states, and then our nation, and then the whole stinking world. So the governance issue is not about politics, not for me, because politics sucks. I don't know anybody. The only people that I know who like and enjoy politics are people who kind of get off on manipulation and all they care about is winning. So sorry if you're one of those people. I'm sure you're lovely. I, I'm sure deep down you're a lovely person. Um, but politics is a nasty business. It's about um, winning and losing. I have found in this nation it's about parties. I don't care squat about parties. I'm so sorry, again, if you are very into parties. I'm sure that you're a lovely person. But for me, I care about the people. I care about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence. I care about our communities thriving and blossoming and blooming. I care about people's gifts and abilities and talents really serving not only themselves, but their neighbors and their families, because I have found that when I'm operating within my gifts and abilities, I'm a nicer human, I'm nicer to my husband, I'm nicer to my child, I am nicer to my mother and my sister and my family and my neighbors and everybody, I'm less irritated. I uh, My fuse is longer, so I don't like just snap, ah, because I'm not so stressed out, I'm actually operating within the gifts and abilities that I was designed to operate in. So those are the things that I care about. I feel, and I will get into some of this, I feel like the parties in this nation have really kind of screwed the people. I feel like the parties in this nation have gotten so concerned with the parties and themselves. And I don't care if you are a blue donkey or a red elephant or a green, I don't know what the libertarian color and mascot is, I, I'm libertarian, I don't know. Um, green piece, who, who else, what else do we have? I don't know, but I don't care what your color and mascot is, I care about the people and people thriving. And I feel like the parties have gotten so perverted and so concerned with themselves winning or losing or these certain people having power and money and whatever the mess is, none of that matters. It doesn't even matter how we got there. The only thing that matters is that the people are suffering and that matters. Changes have to be made and that matters. So I believe the whole notion of politics and governing has actually been perverted in such a way to keep you and I out of it. So here's a little bit of the difference. Politics and the parties, that divides. That keeps people separate. 
that keeps the everyday citizens of you and me not wanting to touch it with a 10-foot pole because who in their right mind would it's nasty it's mean people are hateful and they destroy somebody if they don't agree with them or they're not in their club or their party i mean who the hell cares get over yourself and let's get to what matters we all value the same things I promise you we do we value safe neighborhoods we value not being scared blankless to send our kids to school I'm sorry we need to have safe schools and there are certain communities that have been petrified to send their children to school because they might get shot that's been happening for years and we've been asleep at the wheel we have not gone to help those people who have not been safe to send their kids to even school during the day that's ridiculous we've got to wake up and every single one of us has to engage i'm sorry that's not about politics that's about our communities so politics divides politics murders Thank you very much, because there are plenty of stories out there of people who have tried to stand up against the beast of politics and their, their, um, their jobs and careers get ruined. They all of a sudden can't seem to make a living. That's ridiculous. That has to stop. I mean, seriously. And then governance is about the people. That is about serving and providing for the people. So there is very much a difference between politics and governance. And so the idea is, if I invited you and your family to join me at a um, 4th of July parade, if I said, oh, hey, come with us. We're going to this 4th of July parade. It'll be so fun. We'd love to have you. You would never respond to that and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I do not get involved in politics. That You would never say that because that's not about politics. It's about our country. It's about what we value. We value the right to pursue happiness every one of us does it's why we live here now if you were born here and you don't value that that's okay there are lots of other places that you can go live and you can go like attracting like you can go and live in a nation that doesn't value the right to pursue happiness so our rights were given to us. If you are in this nation, our rights were given to us by God himself. That is what we believe. Now, government is designed in this nation to protect those rights. Now, not all of those rights are written down in our Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence, but they are acknowledged. They are absolutely and completely acknowledged. Go read the Declaration of Independence. We in this nation acknowledge, we acknowledge that there is a God and there is nature and nature's God. We acknowledge that and 
the government does not give us rights. If the government were to give us rights, that means that they could take them away. They don't. They protect the God-given rights. It's a very important distinction. Now that, I promise, is not about politics. That is about who gets to potentially thrive in this land. This land is a place where anybody who is willing to work for it has the right, a protected right, to pursue happiness. That is unbelievable and worth defending. And um, it is not about politics. So politics has been hijacked in such a way in order to keep you and me out of it. It's not the way this country and this land was designed. So it's time for the citizenry to start to stand up and start to say, hold on, hold on. I value the right to pursue happiness. I value the right to defend my own person and my own property. I value the right to own my own property. I value the right to be properly educated. So we could go on and on and on. We could go through a whole huge list of values and I don't care what your faith is, I guarantee you there is more overlap and we have more agreement than not. So that is obviously a um, topic that I am particularly passionate about and the reason is, is because those first two mountains of faith and governance, that necessarily determines if there will be thriving in the land. So we'll get into more detail on that stuff over time. I wanna go ahead and very quickly hit on the remaining mountains that we'll get into with more detail in the future. But there is money and work. So humans are designed to work and a man is worth his hire. So I don't care if you have all the money in the world or not even two pennies in your pocket, work is designed to cultivate and draw out our gifts and abilities and it is right and good for those gifts and abilities to receive some form of compensation. So for some people who have all the money in the world, they don't want to necessarily take a salary. Maybe they want to donate their time or something like that. It is my supposition, and I will make this case over time, that that person should still receive some sort of monetary compensation for their work, and then they can choose to donate that. That is a system that if we had that in place, there should absolutely be nobody hungry unless they absolutely want to be. So um, money, there's a lot of people in the Seven Mountains who will call this the economy, and um, and absolutely I'll talk about the economy a lot because um, 
topics and notions of economy and all that that entails is very important for every one of us in our everyday lives. But money touches every single one of us and how we spend our money says a whole lot about our hearts and what we're interested in and that sort of thing. And I personally, quite frankly, have been very convicted over the years on how I have spent my money or not spent my money or um, how I have managed it or not managed it. Um, So the money work thing touches every single human and it's easy for us when we hear the word economy to kind of tune that out because we're like oh i'm not really into that sort of thing i don't really understand it or there's lots of excuses we can come up with to not engage in that particular mountain if it's called economy or business or something like that but for every single one of us money and work absolutely and completely is a vital part of our everyday life and how we choose to use the time that we are given. And so then we move into learning and education. And so that's another one that I am so passionate about because I love to learn. And the way that we educate the next generation is absolutely critical, especially to the next generation of our nation and what that nation is going to look like, what our cities and communities and state and then, of course, nation is going to look like. And we're all seeing the effects of what happens when we as the citizenry don't engage, when we don't hold our elected officials accountable. And really, it's not fair for us to put the whole burden on them. It's not fair for us to say, okay, elected official, I voted one day this year. Now you do all the work. Like they can't do all the work. They can't stay on top of absolutely everything. They can't see everything that is going on. I mean, especially us as parents, we are their eyes and ears. If we don't go to them and sit down and say, hey, are you aware of XYZ that's going on in the classroom? I guarantee you that a lot of our leaders don't know. They can't know. They're not in the classroom in the same way that our kids are. They're not engaging in the system in the same way that we are as a parent. We've got to start adapting a team mindset and help our leaders, help our elected officials. They can't handle absolutely everything. We have to engage the citizens. We as the citizens of our schools, of our towns, of our work, of our city, state, and nation, we have to help our leaders. We as the citizens have a role and we haven't been real clear on what that role is. And so that's part of what I want to help define is what is the citizen's role in helping our elected officials, in helping our leaders, in providing accountability and questions and um, helping investigate and do some due diligence on certain things. And so we want to define what the citizenry role is in helping all of these critical 
systems within our communities, cities, and nation. And so um, the education space and the learning, we are learning beings. We are designed to be learning our whole life. That helps bring life and love and vitality and excitement and energy into everything that we're doing. So then next I've got health, wellness, and the family. And I don't want to take too much time to go into that. That's another one that I'm really passionate about because I have had long and extensive struggles in the health and wellness space. Um, And there's lots of stories that I've got there um, to share. The reason I combine into one bucket, health and wellness in the family, is because our views as an individual on what health is and on what wellness looks like is very much shaped by the family that we're born into. And we may or may not be born into a family that teaches that stuff. We may um, be an orphan. In a, there's a lot of different ways that somebody can be an orphan. You can even live in a home with two parents and siblings and still be an orphan. Now, why is that? Because sometimes people are so busy with their own lives that they're not raising raising their children. That happens to all of us. It takes conscious effort to say, okay, hang on, wait, I've got to stop some of this stuff. I'm not engaged with my child and my child needs me now. So the way that we view health and wellness and our definitions of those things is very much connected to our families and maybe lack thereof. So that's another one that I'll spend a lot of time on because I'm so passionate about it and I have um, really wrestled through a lot of things in that bucket and I have made my way through the ashes. I have made my way through the fires of Mordor. If you are a Lord of the Rings fan, we certainly are in our household. So I have trudged through the fire of health and wellness in the family, and I have made it to the other side. And so I'm so excited to share some of those tips and tricks and um, stories in the hopes that maybe it will help and encourage you if that is something that you are struggling with. So then you've got the cre- you've got the creativity bucket, which I include the arts and entertainment, which also has sports. So all of us are designed to be creative learning beings and to express that creativity, every one of us. I don't care what your personality profile is. I don't care if you're an accountant or I don't care if you're a painter and everything in between. That is what we're designed to do and be and walk out. I and my day job is real estate and I marvel at how clever and creative people are. It's unbelievable. I mean, I will go into houses and see how people come up with solutions and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so, you are so brilliant. That never would have occurred to me. And to them, it's no big thing. They're like, well, you know, Necessity is the mother of invention. You just kind of figure it out. So to them, it's no big deal. But me as an outside person coming in, 
I get to see and experience their creativity, their ways of making solutions, and then I'm inspired. That's why humans are designed to live in community. We learn from one another. And so then on the bigger level, kind of the, each one of these buckets has a macro level and a micro level. So macro is the big, the overarching, um, kind of way that these influence us. And then the micro is the individual level, how that is expressed in our own individual lives and households. So um, the arts and the entertainment, and especially the sports, that influences culture big time. What we put before our senses it matters. We are designed to be sensory beings. So the music we listen to, we're starting to really understand the consequences and the effect of the music we listen to. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to realize there are certain sounds that's like if you're hearing it, oh my gosh, it makes your skin crawl. Of course you want to go murder somebody because you're hearing this sound and you're taking that into your system that is going into the depths of your soul. And then you're agitated, you're frustrated, you're angry. And then that is compiled with the lies that is bombarded on you from the media or any number of other places. And so, of course, you are a powder keg just constantly waiting to explode. So the arts and entertainment and the messages that we as a culture receive from the arts and entertainment in the form of our sports and sporting events, because there's all the commentary and all the advertisement that goes along with those things, and um, the movies that we watch, the music that we listen to, um, I cannot tell you how many times I have experienced what someone qualifies as art, and I promise you it's actually pornography. So um, that is where we as a culture have to start distinguishing the difference. And people will stop producing that stuff that is more of what I would call the dark arts. That will stop infiltrating mainstream um, mainstream society once we as the citizens stop imbibing it, which means taking it into our system, which means we stop paying for it. So quick sidebar, I will never forget when I stopped buying that Us Weekly stuff, I stopped buying magazines, I quit cold turkey completely any of those even if it walked the line of tabloids any of that stuff I stopped and it was when that whole Jennifer Aniston Brad Pitt Angelina Jolie thing was happening because I'm a child of divorce and these people they were being stalked by photographers People were trying to get, and I remember there was one picture of them very sweetly walking on the beach. It was Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt, and they were holding hands. And my gut, I mean, it just dropped. I'm like, oh my gosh, these people are going through a divorce. Their whole life is being upended, and they can't go have a quiet moment on a private beach to say goodbye to one another. 
I mean, it just broke my heart. And you know what? I had this aha moment where I was like, you know what? If we stop paying for this, these ruthless photographers will stop hanging from trees trying to get these pictures. We have to stop purchasing with our hard-earned money this stuff that then hurts people. Because I guarantee you, if there wasn't a market for it, it wouldn't exist. Because a lot of humans are driven by money. So they'll have to go find another way to make their money. So that for me personally was kind of an aha moment of like, wait, these are humans. I don't know them and I don't need to know every single aspect of their life. And they certainly don't need to know every single aspect of mine. And what in the world, just because they're in movies, what in the world gives me the right to know absolutely every tiny detail and every movement of their whole life. Nothing, nothing. I don't know them, they don't know me. I know of them because their picture is all over the place and because they do movies. But I don't need to know every intimate tiny detail of their life. Now, if they choose to show me on Instagram or some sort of other public thing, they choose to do an interview where they share something about their life, like, oh, hey, I like this mascara and here's why. Or, oh, hey, I like this food and here's why. Then, wonderful. I will then know that because they have chosen to share it with me. So, um, anyway, moving on quickly to media. That's another one that we could all spend a lot of time on. We are all feeling the effects of an untruthful media that is really an arm of the government. It's just absolutely unbelievable. We have to question absolutely everything. Quite frankly, I believe that the media is kind of, um, what is the word I'm looking for? I think they're almost irrelevant. We really don't have um, newspapers anymore. You can't make money anymore from the traditional model and style of media. And so because of that, the whole media realm is really changing. Now you do have some media outlets really making an effort to just get the facts out to just get the information out there that we the citizens need. So those are the types of resources that I will be seeking to share here. Um, and always do your own due diligence. I'm gonna say that until I'm blue in the face because it is so important for each one of us to investigate, to find out why we believe what we believe. We've got to make the effort to even read and listen to perspectives that are different than ours and even read and understand perspectives that maybe even infuriate us. That in and of itself should notify us that there's something there for us to deal with. Huh, why am I having such a strong revolting reaction to this particular perspective? Start to peel the onion, you know, as they say. Start to allow that to be a trigger of, oh, hey, I need to do some introspection work here on that particular issue because I am finding myself completely enraged with this 
idea, with this notion? What is it tapping into? Our emotions, we are emotional beings. And there has been a real falsehood out there that somehow emotions are in and of themselves evil or irrational or they've really been demeaned. And so I don't believe that for one bit. And I will over time go into my beliefs around emotions. I believe our emotions are one of our greatest God-given gifts. Emotions are energy in motion. They are biochemical responses that happen in our bodies that are informing us of something. So you can take, for example, fight or flight. That is a biochemical response to something in our environment. Our body is saying there's a threat, there's a threat, there's a threat. Now there may or may not in actuality be an actual threat. But what that is triggering in us is a, hey, you better either get out of there fast or you better get ready to fight. Well, for a lot of us in modern society and in these modern cultures, we're not being chased down by lions. Now I will, with the caveat, say there's a lot of abuse that goes on. So, and that's not okay. And I will encourage you, if you're in abusive relationships or an abusive environment, whether it's your work or your home, and it can be verbally abusive, it can be emotionally abusive, um, I would encourage you to little by little take the steps necessary in order to get out of that. Because um, we as humans are not designed to remain in very toxic, abusive environments for long periods of time that will absolutely destroy our bodies, our minds, our souls, our spirits. So, um, but that is why we have those beautiful emotions and there is a difference between emotions and feelings and we'll get into some of that over time but the whole idea is that emotions are information for us they inform us now we do want to have self-control i mean you don't want every emotion that you have you know whether you're flying off the handle or you know um totally and completely raging jealous I don't know I'm just trying to come up with something some examples but we want to have that inform us it's like oh wait hey why am I having this raging anger or hate um, or fear or anxiety or um, jealousy and envy all of those things are very normal human responses so there's no shame in having those responses the shame and the you know guilt comes when we don't take some time to look inside of ourselves and understand why am I responding the way that I am responding is there some healing that needs to take place there because it's up to each one of us it is our it's my responsibility to go seek out my own healing so that then I don't end up hurting and abusing somebody else because hurting people hurt others and it has to stop with you it has to stop with me i had to grab a hold of my own healing 
and dig in and choose, you know what? No, I am not going to live my life in unhealth because if I choose that, it hurts not only myself, but everybody I hold dear, everybody. I hold dear. So that is the intro to the seven mind-molding mountains of cultural influence as I see it. And we will get into more detail with each one of those mountains. And every single one of those mountains affects the other. And it is, um, it's, it's like a yin and a yang. It's like um, they insert together like a big puzzle. And if there's a piece missing, then you don't have the full picture. You don't have the framework there in order for society to thrive. And I'm in real estate, right? So I'm in and out of houses a lot and we do inspections and that sort of thing. And so Inspections are really important from the sense of you've got to know what you're getting into. And so there's lots of systems within any given house that is a part of normal wear and tear that for most of us, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's no big deal. I understand that. That's I've owned a house before and you're always going to deal with those things. But then if you start getting into the major systems having issues, plumbing, um, structural issues in the foundation or in the walls and there's a difference you know and you start to learn you start to have an eye for oh no that crack you know in north texas we have real wet soil so everything moves a whole lot because the ground when it's real wet it expands and when it's dry it contracts and so that causes a lot of movement well over time if you don't do what is required for those moving houses then it can get to be really big structural issues. And so the idea is that when you start getting into heavy structural issues in the major systems, well, you're now dealing with a different animal than just wear and tear. And so each of these seven mountains in our nation has got some major structural issues, but they are absolutely fixable. Every single one of the major issues every single one of us are feeling in our daily lives, it's all fixable. And so that is part of what I want to help chart. I want to chart the course for true thriving and healing in, our, in ourselves, in our households, in our communities, in our cities, in our states. And in this great nation that we love so much, we love it because it's worthy of love. It is a place where people from all over the world, they stand in lines to try to get here. This is a amazing place that is built on ideas and ideals that are worthy of us loving and protecting and living out. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining me today. Please consider sharing it and coming back any time as we start to dig into the seven mind-molding mountains of cultural influence, as we seek to really be busy with the right and good 
things that fill our cups to overflowing because that not only nourishes you, but it nourishes everybody around you. So bless you and your daily life and your family with eyes to see and ears to hear and may a great thriving begin to take place inside of you and in your whole world.